heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse lepers, cast out demons. This is Healing the Whole Person on WSFI 88.5 FM Catholic Radio. Good afternoon and welcome to Healing the Whole Person today on this very special feast of Our Lady of Guadalupe. My name is Susie McGinn and my special guest today is again the wonderful familiar Father Michael Sparrow. Uh, also in the studio uh, is Ann Oakley, Rosemary Simon, a wonderful man named Bob, and Angela, of course. So welcome to all of you. Now, I want to tell you a little bit about Father Michael, and then we'll go from there. He is a retreat and spiritual director at the Bellarmine Re Jesuit Retreat House in Barrington. He holds a doctor of ministry from St. Mary of the Lake in Mundelein, Illinois and an MFA from Yale School of Drama. He is the founder of Caris, a young, Jesuit young adult ministry, and trained spiritual directors at Loyal University Chicago. A prolific writer and speaker, Father Michael has published extensively on prayer, discernment, and the sacraments, and is a featured speaker monthly on WSFI 88.5 FM's Healing the whole person, and that's what we are today. So welcome, Father Michael. Thank you, Susie. Okay. Delighted to be here, and uh, Susie and I were talking, and we realized that today's program was going to be on the Feast of Our Lady Guadalupe. What better topic to talk about than this wonderful feast day that has so many different implications for us today. But let's begin by just recalling the story itself and then we'll kind of open it up and, and reflect on some of the theology that's implicit in it. But it, we go back to the year 1531 on December 9th, and there was a Aztec peasant who had previously converted to Catholicism, and just two years prior to that, he had lost his wife, Maria, and they had no children. Uh, Juan Diego w walked several miles every day to be able to go to Mass. And on that uh, cold December 9th morning in 1531, as he was walking, uh, he encountered this beautiful woman who was dressed as an Aztec princess. He didn't recognize who she was immediately, but as she spoke with him, and even before he saw her, he heard this most beautiful music. And she spoke to him and revealed herself as the Virgin Mary and asked him to go to the bishop and have a church, a temple, erected on that very spot in her honor. Now, why that was significant was nearby there had been an Aztec pagan temple built where they had sacrificed to the mother goddess Quetzalcoatl. And Quetzalcoatl was an Aztec god, a fertility god, who had demanded that the Aztecs would sacrifice uh, their children to this mother god to ensure future fertility uh, within the family as well as the crops. So on this site where there had been 
uh, tremendous human sacrifice, the Mother of God asked that a temple be built. Well, Juan Diego sets off to the bishop. His name was Zumaraga, Bishop Zumaraga. He was a Franciscan. And uh, we need just a little bit of background at, at this point that Bishop Zumaraga had feared that there was going to be a tremendous revolt on the part of the Aztecs. The Aztecs were resisting Christianity for several different reasons. One is Christianity is uh, has a rule, one man and one wife, and the Aztecs had been polygamous. They had several wives. Also, Christianity was the religion of the conquerors, the Spanish brought with them Christianity and Franciscan and uh, other religious orders, but uh, the Spanish were not kind in the way that they treated the Aztecs. There was tremendous brutality, uh, and they ruled with military force. And the other thing that the, the uh, Europeans had brought with them, diseases, and the uh, Aztecs had, to which the Aztecs had no immunity at all. So uh, there were plagues that just swept through the Aztec population uh, and decimating uh, uh, their communities. So they were fearful of these new people who brought with them these unknown diseases, a strange religion, um, and a harsh military rule. Bishop Zumaraga had written in his secret diary that he feared that a revolt was coming, and he asked for a sign from the Mother of God. Not just a general sign, he asked for a very specific sign that roses would be given to him. Not just any kind of rose, Castilian roses, a brand of roses or genus of rose that was unknown in the New World. So he wrote that in his secret diary. So Juan Diego comes to Bishop Zumaraga, and uh, he explains that the Mother of God had appeared to him and asked that a temple be bu built on this site. So the bishop, wisely testing the, the spirits, testing whether Juan Diego is crazy or whether this is authentic or not, asks that Juan Diego would come back with a sign. Juan Diego says, well, what kind of sign do you want? And Bishop Zumaraga says, well, if this is indeed the mother of God, she will know what sign I'm looking for. <laughs> and in the back of his mind, he knows exactly what, what he's asking for. So Juan Diego makes his way home, and he was living with his uncle. His wife had died, and his uncle fell sick. Uh, and so he was afraid to leave his uncle's side. He delays for a few days. And on December 12th, the original apparition is on December 9th. On December 12th, he sets off to get a doctor. And he doesn't go by the route that he had gone before uh, because he was afraid that the Blessed Mother would see him. <laughs> and so he takes another route, but the Blessed Mother outsmarts him <laughs> and appears in another site. And they make kind of small talk. Juan Diego says, oh, Blessed Mother, you're looking particularly beautiful today. <laughs> and, and she cuts to the chase and said, Juan Diego, did you go to the bishop? And he explains that, well, the bishop wanted a sign. And she said, why didn't you come back? And he said, my uncle is dying. Just now, I've gone to get a, a doctor and a priest. And the Blessed Mother says, 
tell me something I don't know. <laughs> your, your uncle at this very hour has been healed. He's doing just fine. Now go back to the bishop, and this is what's going to be the sign. I want you to climb up to the top of that hill, and you'll find some flowers up there. Tepiak. Tepiak right? Hill. Yes, That's yes. right. Mm -hmm. And Juan Diego says, well, this is December. Flowers, roses don't bloom in December. And the mother said, trust me. So he goes up to the hill, and he gathers up these flowers. What kind of flowers are they? Mm. Castilian roses, of course. Well, Juan Diego doesn't know what Bishop Zumaraga had written in his secret diary. So he gathers up the flowers, and he puts them in his tilma, his cloak. Now, I love this particular detail of the story. The Blessed Mother rearranges the heads of the flowers, because being a typical male, he just gathers up the flowers. He throws them in his tilma. So one, the Blessed Mother rearranges so that all the heads are pointing in the right direction, and then she closes up the tilma, and she says, now don't show this to anybody until you get to the bishop. Juan Diego says, okay. He heads back to the bishop's uh, quarters. Now, you don't just walk in to see the bishop today, and you didn't just walk in to see the bishop back then. So Juan Diego says, he's, he's got his cloak all covered up, and he says, I'm here to see the bishop. And the bishop's guards say, well, what do you have there? And he said, well, it's something just to show the bishop. And so they begin to roughhouse him, and they taunt him, and they're pushing him around, and they're making a, quite a bit of commotion. And the bishop looks out the window, and he sees Juan Diego down there. So he signals to his guards, hey, let him in, let him in. So Juan Diego comes up, unfurls his tilma, and the Castilian roses fall to the ground. But the much more incredible miracle is that imprinted on the cloak of his tilma is this miraculous image of Our Lady just as she has appeared to Juan Diego. This is the sign. Not, not only does the bishop get the sign he asked for, he got a much more incredible sign. And that this is one of the details of the story. The tilma was made out of cactus fiber, which was the cheapest fiber available at the time. It usually disintegrates within 15 years. This is over 400 and what, 80 years later, and that fabric is still intact, and the image of Our Lady of Guadalupe is right above the main altar on Tapiac Hill, where a magnificent basilica has been built in Our Lady's honor. Those are the rough facts of the story, but the greatest miracle is not actually the miraculous image, it's the fact that what follows is the largest mass conversion right. of anybody to Christianity since the end of the apostolic age. Between eight and nine million people within a few short years are converted to Christianity. And so it's largely why uh, so much of Mexico and Central and South America remains Catholic to this day because of this, uh, this miracle of Our Lady of Guadalupe. Mm, so beautiful, that, Rosemary. Beautifully said. <laughs> nice details I didn't know. Now, a tilma is is exactly what? Is, a, a tilma is the cloak. It's like a, a serape, a poncho that the, uh, it's, uh, that the native Aztecs 
uh, people without much money would wear. It was right. the cheapest way to clothe yourself. Yeah, uh, I've heard that um, it has been so thoroughly examined and they've determined it isn't paint. They don't know what is actually on the fabric to make this image. It's colored, but it isn't paint. It wasn't uh, painted on. And uh, the scientists don't know what the uh, procedure was that was, you know, what was used to make this image. You're exactly correct. They started scientific investigation in the 1960s. Um, with an international panel of forensic scientists. uh, And Eastman Kodak was was invited in as well to study the image. There's no sizing. There's no undercoating. The best way they can describe it is the image has been like x-rayed into the fabric. Because as they studied it, in ordinary painting, the painting remains on top of the fabric. Mm -hmm. This image is seared into the fibers itself, and there's absolutely no explanation to this day as to how that could have happened. It's not unlike, there's some interesting parallels between the Shroud of Turin and the the image of Our Lady of Guadalupe, the image seared into the cloth itself. Right. I've heard, too, there's something about the eyes. Yeah, I... Yes, this is a fascinating. You tell that, Father. Fascinating story that if you magnify the the eyes of Our Lady of Guadalupe several hundred times, you can't see this with your native eye, but if you magnify it several hundred times, what's in the eye of Our Lady of Guadalupe is what she saw at the moment that Juan Diego unfurled. So there's an image of Juan Diego and the bishop unfolding so it's an image of our late what our lady she was in the room at that moment and if you look in another person's eye and the lighting is right you can see yourself reflected in the eye so what we're seeing is what our lady saw at the moment that the tilma was opened up and the flowers are revealing that is is miracle upon miracle (laughs) absolutely One of the other miracles attached, uh, I mean, the more you study the image, the more miraculous it becomes. In the 1920s, there were terrorist attacks going on, and the Catholic Church was being tremendously persecuted at that time. And somebody had taken a vase of flowers and put a bomb inside of it and pretended to be someone venerating the image. They took... Uh, the vase with the bomb, placed it in front of the image of Our Lady of Guadalupe. There's just regular glass in front of the image, and the bomb exploded. There was a brass crucifix right in front of the image of Our Lady. The brass crucifix absorbed the, the bomb blast, bent over as if the crucifix is bending over and shielding the image of Our Lady. Mm. If you go down to our, uh, to our Lady Guadalupe in Mexico City, you can see that brass cross that is bent over. It's mm. still there. Wow. Amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, too, right here in Des Plaines, I understand that the second most popular um, 
place to venerate Our Lady of Guadalupe <coughs> is right here. There's a, a shrine right here where probably there are thousands of people there today. <laughs> not, not probably, certainly. <laughs> certainly. <laughs> yes, thousands. Especially with the good weather. But mm. even in bad weather, it doesn't make any difference. They come in droves. Matter of fact, I was talking to a Mexican-American friend of mine, and she said, I'm going to the to the shrine of right. Our Lady of Guadalupe today. And she, she said to her husband, take me along. And he said, no, it's too cold. I don't want to go out there. She said, this is the feast of Our Lady of Guadalupe. Offer it up. You're taking me to the shrine of Our Lady of Guadalupe. <laughs> and good husband that he is, he said, yes, yes dear. Yes, dear. <laughs> there are people who walk miles um, from almost Lake Michigan over, I think it's on River Road. And Des Plaines, mm-hmm. where Which Maryville is, is. For those who are uh, not Chicagoans, that is a suburb of Chicago, Des Plaines, uh, just on the northwest side of our city. That, yeah. that's a, there's a strong tradition down in Mexico City uh, as people approach the, the shrine, and especially on, on today, uh, on, on the feast day, people will walk for miles and miles, and when they... Uh, enter the sanctuary proper, which is acres and acres. As soon as they enter the sanctuary, they will go down on their knees and they will uh, make the rest of the ascent into the church on their knees. It is so incredibly Mm -hmm. moving to Mm -hmm. see the devotion uh, of these people. I hope I get to see that someday. Yes, I do too. (laughs) I've never been to the one in displays, though. Have you? Mm -mm. No. I'm sure you have. I've Father. read about I, it. I, I have been there several times. Have yes. you? Yeah. Yeah, and been down to Our Lady Guadalupe in Mexico City m- many, many times. Uh, Our Lady, I have a special devotion to Our Lady Guadalupe uh, because when I was a Jesuit novice, uh, Saint Ignatius Loyola had the founder of the Jesuits, the order to which I belong. Uh, the Second Vatican Council called us back to our roots and said, "Rediscover your roots." And I was reading uh, in the early documents of the Jesuits that St. Ignatius would encourage the novices, those who had just entered the religious order, to make a pilgrimage to some holy shrine trusting in divine providence. So I went to my novice master and I said, is it possible for me to make a pilgrimage? And nobody had done that at that time. And he said, where would you like to go? And I said, well, the most famous shrine that I know of in the Americas is to Our Lady Guadalupe. And I had grown up with a great devotion to the Blessed Mother. And so he said, okay, you can go down there. So with $25 uh, and for six weeks of a pilgrimage, I hitchhiked down to uh, Mexico City. And there's all kinds of amazing stories that took place in the midst of that pilgrimage uh, with a little backpack on $25, I hitchhiked my way down there to the to the shrine and and back. Um, never went hungry, uh, never missed a meal, and came back with uh, $50 in my pocket. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> Father, didn't you have um, some personal experience where you were in a church and there were the aura of roses as well and a booklet that you wrote about it? It seems to me I'm digging back into my memory because we've been friends for a long time. But it was like 
20, 30 years ago? What was that? Well, there were, there were some other uh, apparitions, alleged apparitions of Our Lady that were never approved in Scottsdale, Arizona, but I had gotten to oh, know yeah. those visionaries and uh, had had a series of I- incredible events re- related to that. And one of the signs of Our Lady's uh, appearance is the, is the smell of roses. And in that particular instance, there was the smell of roses. That's a whole other story. I, okay. And, I thought and it was that, related to... And, and that apparition wasn't approved, right. so uh, let's not... Let's not go there. Let's not go there. <laughs> yeah. uh, the That's image the, of Our Lady of Guadalupe, Guadalupe has been yeah. approved over and over and over again. <clears throat> and in declaring uh, this feast day of Our Lady Guadalupe and approving the image... Um, she's been declared the patroness of the Americas, not right. just Mexico, not just Central America, South America, but here in North America right. as well. She's the patroness of all of the Americas. And, of course, she's also the patroness of the right to life. Mm. P- part of what's so amazing about the story is that, and I, and I think it accounts for the the incredible, miraculous conversion of the Native peoples, right is that Our Lady, as she has appeared in so many times over the 2,000-year history of Christianity, she appears in the dress of the people to whom she is appearing, and she speaks the language of the people to whom she is appearing. So at Lourdes, for example, she spoke in uh, a dialect of of French, that uh, Bernadette would be able to understand. To the children at Fatima, she spoke in their language. At Medjugorje, she speaks uh, in the language of, of the, the children there who are now uh, adults. And in appearing to Juan Diego, she spoke in his native tongue, and she was dressed, as I mentioned at the beginning of the program, as an Aztec princess. And this is the reason why she's the patroness of the right to life. On her wrists, and here in the uh, radio station, we have a huge image of Our Lady of Guadalupe right here. And on her wrists are these tassels hanging from either wrist. And those were an indication in Aztec culture that she was a pregnant woman. Mm -hmm. And the garments of Our Lady are loose-fitting, and she's... She's a big mama, <laughs> Our Lady Guadalupe. She's not a slender young young thing, so she's very pregnant with Jesus. That's the only apparition that I've ever read about where Our Lady has appeared pregnant with Jesus. I know, too, um, that in many of the images, she also has this, a thin black belt around her waist. And I understand that that, too, was a sign that she was carrying a baby of her pregnancy. Yes, yes. right. Yeah, so um, that uh, it's very exciting, a very exciting story in these times and in these. This message of pro-life needs to go out stronger and stronger every day. So we just thank God that this 
it was this timing right now for us and especially so we have so many beautiful feasts of our lady during this month we've had the immaculate conception this week and it's all this week and also we had our lady of loretto um and pope, the, pope francis just declared, declared that as that. a new feast day of mary and now our lady of guadalupe so you can hear that beautiful music everybody and you know what that means that means we're going to take a little break and we're going to continue with this beautiful story in just a few minutes thank you Holy Family Catholic Bookstore is blessed with the opportunity to participate with WSFI Catholic Radio in the new evangelization. Holy Family is your local resource for books, CDs, and DVDs from Catholic Answers, Ignatius Press, and all of the other fine publishers featured on Catholic Radio. Holy Family also has the area's largest selection of baptism, communion, and confirmation gifts. Holy Family Catholic Bookstore is located at 9249 Old Green Bay Road, Pleasant Prairie, Wisconsin. More information is available on Facebook. This holiday season, why not give the gift of the Catholic faith? Unlike gifts which are here today and gone tomorrow, our faith is one gift that provides us the peace and joy that this world cannot offer, the very foundation of our lives. As year-end approaches, please consider making a tax-deductible contribution to WSFI Catholic Radio. Also, did you know if you happen to be 70 and a half or older, you can donate to WSFI as part of your retirement plan's required minimum distribution, RMD, and not pay federal taxes? WSFI thanks you for any support you can find in your heart to provide. Donate online at WSFIRadio.org or mail us at P.O. Box 885, Libertyville, Illinois, 60048. Are you retired or near retirement? Do you want to keep a larger amount of your assets in a safe place with guaranteed interest rates to protect yourself from a huge market swing? Are you amazed at how low the interest rates are at your bank? If you said yes to any or all of those questions, you may want to call me, Matt Tomlinson, at Catholic Financial Life to discuss our guaranteed fixed rate annuities. Call 847-548-MATT, 847-548-6288. Products not available in all states. Welcome back. This is Susie McGinn, and uh, you're listening to Healing the Whole Person. Our subject today is uh, Our Lady of Guadalupe, who is the beautiful intercessor for the Americas. We call her our intercessor, and she is also very um, active and a a patroness of the pro-life movement. And in light of that, we want to share a couple um, prayer requests that have come into our station today, and we're gonna ask Father to pray over these. 
the uh, one is for a woman's name whose son has esophageal cancer and it's now moved to his uh, liver. Another prayer request is for a vocation for Anthony and also for someone's uh, daughter-in-law who is healing from a stroke. Also, we're asked to pray for a special intention. We have um, another prayer request, uh, who's a woman who's asking for her mother, uh, and prayers for her mother and all her loved ones, even her dead relatives. I hope the Lord gives us the gift of physical, spiritual, emotional healing and forgives all our sins. That's exactly what this program is all about. We urgently need God in our lives and also his blessings. Another prayer intention is a woman asking, she said, pray for me. Um, let's see, I think this is the same one, Angie. Okay, one more. Uh, and then another woman asks us to lift her up in prayer. And she says, thank you and may God bless you. So we're all getting um, blessed by this lovely lady's intentions. Thank you. Let us pray. Gracious and loving God, especially today through the intercession of Our Lady Guadalupe, we lift up the intentions of those who are suffering physically, emotionally, and spiritually. We pray if it be your holy will that you would eradicate the cancer, that you would heal and minimize the effects of the stroke, that you would be bring healing to broken relationships, that you would hear the special intentions, that you would bless those who seek to know their vocation uh, with the knowledge of how they are to best serve God. And if that be in through the priesthood or religious life, that you would draw them more closely to yourself. Lord, that you would grant us the forgiveness of our sin, convict us of the areas in which we've strayed and keep our hearts humble. All these intentions we lift up to you through Our Lady's intercession, especially this day, we pray. Hail Mary, Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. And so when we were uh, ending the last session, we were just talking about how Mary uh, came in such a way, in all her apparitions, in a way that relates to all of us, uh, in our language especially, so that uh, whoever were her, uh, the people that she was appearing to, could understand everything that she wanted communicated, especially the love of her son Jesus to us. And so that is, that's kind of where we, we dropped off, Lord. Uh, I mean, uh, Father, I'm calling you Lord. Isn't that nice? <laughs> but uh, he probably doesn't mind a bit. <laughs> Careful of a lightning strike. Huh? Right. <laughs> um, but anyway, the, um, we were talking earlier about how um, Our Lady of Guadalupe got her name. 
and uh, I don't know. We had heard some stories that we were sharing, but I'd like to hear from you, Father, if uh, there's anything that uh, you have any insight on how that, because there's no not a Guadalupe right there at Tepeyac Hill or Mexico City. Yeah, there are different, different theories about that. What I've read is that uh, the name that Our Lady gave was in the Aztec, and it was practically unpronounceable to the Spanish. There is a uh, Guadalupe in Spain, Mm -hmm. and so uh, actually many would attribute it to a mistranslation of the Aztec, uh, because if, if that's so typical, if you're if you're not familiar with uh, someone else's language and they give you a word that is unpronounceable, uh, well, then you you do the best you can do in your in your own uh, language. Right. So you feel that it was just due to a, a misinterpretation, but uh, an awareness of these people of the area of Guadalupe in Spain. In Spain. Yeah. Yes. Uh, I had uh, heard a story earlier today about a. Um, a statue that was created uh, so that uh, by Saint Luke. Have you heard this uh, story by any chance? That he carved a statue of Our Lady and Baby Jesus, and it ultimately ended up in the hands of Gregory the Great in the 500s. And he gave that uh, he brought that statue um, from Constantinople to Rome, and then in Thanksgiving for the Archbishop of Seville, who had done great evangelistic work in converting um, uh, many enemies of the church in Spain, he brought the statue to him, and uh, it was housed there in Seville, Spain. Then the Muslims came in, took over, and uh, invaded, and were destroying a lot of the um, the the Christian and Catholic um, statues and churches, so they buried the statue, and during that time it got so covered over it, no one could remember where it was. When a um, cow herder one day was out with his herd, he one of his cows died, and he didn't know exactly what to do. But God appeared to him and said, "Take." your herd back home, come back and bring people with you and dig where that cow died. He did, and there was the statue. Mm. And it was a statue of Our Lady. And it was right next to the river of Our Lady of Guadalupe. And so what are, for what that's worth, that's, that's what I heard today. So that may have been one reason that the people were familiar with that area and that word. Yeah, yeah. I, I hadn't heard that story before. Yeah, but uh, yeah. so well, it would have this whole story go back to the time of the apostles, you know, that way. So it has good roots. Also, Saint uh, or Christopher Columbus um, made a pilgrimage to uh, where this statue was before he came to the Americas. And then in Thanksgiving to Our Lady, he went back there uh, when he got back uh, to Spain. Yeah, so wow. the... So uh, one of the things that's so interesting about the apparition of Our Lady is it took place less than 50 years after Columbus's voyage to the New World. Right. Uh, so that's, that's quite a short time where this uh, miraculous event that, that, again, led to this mass, mass uh, conversion on the part of the Aztec people where prior to that, 
they had they had resisted the faith for those reasons that I explained earlier. Right. And uh, there are two main reasons. One is uh, Our Lady came as one of them, and I, I don't think we can overemphasize that, that our, our Christian faith is for people all over the world, but we all, all of us carry our culture with us, and our culture is so much a part of us that we can't, we, you know, we just take it for granted. It's, it's like the air, air that we breathe. But then when you step outside your culture, then you become aware that, wait a minute, my culture isn't, is, is different. And Our Lady, in all of these different apparitions over the 2,000 years, she continues to not only dress differently, but her features are different. You know, she's not a European lady in this picture. She has Aztec features, and she's speaking that, that language. Of course, she has a glorified body. She's experienced the resurrection. So uh, in the resurrection, you can appear and disappear, as Our Lady does in, in those apparitions. But she takes on a different countenance, a different language, uh, and different. she adapts the culture in which she's uh, to, to, to those to whom she's appearing. And that was so powerful because the Spanish had looked down on the Aztecs. They saw them as an inferior culture, that we're European, you know, we have superior military might, you know, and we got the, tr the true religion, and that they were oppressive. Not the Franciscans, but, but the military there and, and the, secular, the secular rulers. Our Lady comes, and whom does she select? <laughs> you know, not one of the friends. This is an important detail of the story. She doesn't pick a priest. She doesn't pick, you know, what are the Franciscans, and they're, they're holy men. Bishop Zumarago is a holy man. But she chooses this, this humble peasant to be her spokesperson. And Juan Diego would spend the rest of his life telling that story again and again. You know, he lived, he moved very close to the, to the, to the shrine, uh, and he became this lay catechist. So it's the combination of the image and this lay catechist that was so powerful for the uh, re responsible for the mass conversion of the peoples. Mm. Wow. So he, she, he, she really gave him the spirit of evangelization, uh, and so he was he was part of what she she used. Now, so the 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 changes then that came to those millions of people, it came through the bishop, I'm sure, and then it filtered down over the years after that. Well, the bishop yeah. approved yeah. the the building, and within a relatively short amount of time, they built a very simple church. And then they built a much more magnificent church. And the land on uh, uh, Mexico City is a series of islands and lakes. And so they, the, uh, the property on which they had built the original basilica was land that was filled in. And the, if you go down there today, you can see the, the original basilica and it's slanting. Uh, and it was in danger of, of collapsing. Now, they since done their best to be able to prop it up, but they built a much larger and much more magnificent basilica next to it. Uh, when I was a Jesuit novice, I went to the, that original bas basilica, which is uh, now slanting and, and being propped up. 
one of the little details there is so popular if you wanted to get close to the image of our, our lady of guadalupe you would take your life in your hands because everybody's crowding and they wanted to get as oh, close to the yeah. image as, as they could and put their hands up and kind of feel the 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 uh the power that radiated from the image they've corrected that and now in the new basilica uh there there are all these side altars around the church up in the balcony so that many masses could be taking place simultaneously and then there's the the main altar in the front and then above the main altar is the image of our lady of guadalupe and then below the the main altar there's an escalator a moving sidewalk like you get at o'hare airport and you you go down into the undercroft of of the church and you get on this moving sidewalk and then it takes you past the image of our lady of guadalupe uh, and then you can go back as many times as you want get in line again and, and go but it avoids the crush of of the crowd uh, mm-hmm. and one of the other I don't know that this is miraculous, but the image itself, which is relatively small, uh, gets larger. It, it appears to be larger the farther you get away from it. So at the back of the church, it, it looks like this huge image. Um, How big is it actually, would you say? Uh, let's say four, four, four feet? feet or so. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Just like the one behind us, perhaps. It looks like it's even larger. Yeah, that, that's that. The image behind us is a little larger than yeah. the image. There was a detail in today's Magnificat um, <clears throat> that I didn't know, and it's about the um, gold flowers uh, painted on Our Lady's tunic. She she has on a tunic, and then over it she has another a mantle, um, which is a, a different color and different fabric but on her tunic uh closest to her body is um a rose colored um uh tunic and then imprinted are is a uh, gold four petal flower jasmine and that was very significant to the aztecs It had many interrelated meanings in their religious thought. It was um, the four-petal jasmine flower, and it uh, symbolized the Indians' highest deity, Omatiotl. The Virgin's image speaks to the Indians profoundly of their basic desire for God. And of course, our Lady is standing on the moon, like a, an eighth moon. It's not even a quarter. Crescent. And um, all these things show that, and, and the the sun's rays are behind her, so it shows her in front as greater than the sun's rays. And these were all important uh, deities to the to Aztecs. So that, that's an important detail that uh, here are the symbols in Aztec worship and they're being retranslated uh, through Our Lady is, is to say um, 
I am the mother of the true God. Right. Mm -hmm. Because, again, we're, like we were discussing earlier in the program, right near Tepeyac, there had been this human sacrifice to the Aztec god Quetzalcoatl. And Our Lady chose that spot, I'm sure, specifically for that reason, is to say, and I love this detail, Quetzalcoatl demanded human sacrifice Mm -hmm. to be able to ensure fertility. Here is Our Lady bringing Jesus, who would lay down his life for the life of the world. So it's the exact opposite of the Aztec God. The Aztec God says, give me your life, and then I'll give you life in in return. Mm -hmm. Sacrifice your your children, shed your blood, and then I'll have mercy on you. Our God, Jesus, comes to us and he says, no, I'm going to shed my my blood blood. for you, You, for the the life of the world. Right. Yes. Right. And this Omatiotl was believed to be completely inaccessible inhabiting the highest heavens and uninterested in the affairs of men. So Our Lady was um, shown to be the mother of the true God. How did she describe it? Uh, The mother of one true God. Mm -hmm. And uh, he chose to be born of a woman. I think this is a beautiful note to end this beautiful session on. So I just thank you all for being with us. I thank you for our listeners. And uh, we ask Father to give us our blessing, your blessing, uh, as we close. Through the intercession of Our Lady and all the holy angels and saints, may God bless you, protect you, let his face shine upon you. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. 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 been listening to Healing the Whole Person on WSFI 88.5 FM Catholic Radio. For more information about this program or to purchase additional CD copies, please call us at 224-206-8455. That's 224-206-8455. Or visit us online at wsfiradio.org. Your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your disease.